Hi, I'm Steve Duke, and this is the Two Roads Podcast. Today on the podcast, I'm doing a bit of a Q&A. So I'm basically taking some of the questions that I've either been asked a lot in the past about people relevant to their careers and finding a job that they love, or actually just some specific questions that I've been asked recently. And I'm going through my answers for those and hopefully can help people out with them. A quick reminder before we get into today's episode that enrollment for the Divergence program is open so if you're looking to figure out your next career steps trying to get clarity on what it is that you want to do next you can sign up to the program the link is in the show notes spots are filling up fast and i'm going to close it at some point because i'm having a limited cohort for the first time that i run this program so if you're interested make sure and go and check it out but for now let's get into episode 38 of the two roads podcast okay so the first question i have here is one that i've been asked a lot and it's goes like this. I know the career that I want to move into, but I can't get an interview for any of the jobs that I'm interested in. What should I do? So this is a super common question and I can really empathize with being in that position where you know that there's a specific job that you want, right? Um, Or a specific type of job and you're applying to loads of places online. You're putting in all your applications. You're sending in your CVs, your cover letter, but you're not hearing anything back or you're only getting rejection emails. You're not even able to get through to an interview and that's super frustrating. So essentially there's two main things that you can do that are gonna help you get more interviews, essentially get into the interview process for more of these jobs. So the first one is that you're gonna need to do something to stand out, right? If you've ever been on a hiring manager side, you've seen the amount of applications that you get. I've been in there before where I've been hiring for a job and you're literally getting hundreds of applications that come in through like your website or your LinkedIn or whatever else and you're really looking for somebody who's able to stand out otherwise you just kind of flick through all the profiles you're like no 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 no." unless something really kind of catches your eye you're not going to interview them and so you need to do something to stand out and I have two tactics that you can use to do this one is like a short-term one and one is a longer-term one so the short-term one that you can do to stand out is essentially to do the job so if you're applying for it yeah send them the CV send them the cover letter whatever else But you also want to send them a piece of work that you've made for them where you're essentially doing the job that they would be hiring you to do. So an example in this might be if you're applying for a job as a UI designer, take a page off of their website and like redesign it, like build it up in Figma and send it back to them and say, hey, you know, I noticed this page, I saw some areas that it might be able to be improved and I've done it and here you go, here's the work, like check it out, let me know what you think. Uh, By the way, I've applied for this role, right? Similar if you were in sales, maybe record a pitch on using something like Loom and send them a video to them of you like pitching their product. If you were applying for a job in a venture capital firm, find a company that, that you think that venture capital firm might be interested in and send them a memo saying, hey, this is why I think this company is interested in, is interesting, and here's why you know I think you should invest. So essentially you wanna do the job, show them that you're capable and that you have the skills. And this is two things. One is it will help you stand out. And the other one is that it actually kind of increases your credibility because you're already doing the job. So right now I've been trying to hire like a content creator to come and work with me on the Two Rides podcast and a couple of the other things that I'm working with. And I've been getting a ton of applications, but a lot of them really do very little to stand out. They're just sending me their CV, maybe a note like in a cover letter, but that's absolutely it. And it's not tailored in any way to me. If somebody took one of my podcasts, 
looked at the job description, which says, hey, I'm looking for somebody to help me create, you know, clips for Instagram Reels and for TikToks and that type of thing. And they took one of my podcasts off YouTube, downloaded it and sent me a clip and was like, hey, here's the work. I would 100% talk to that person, like absolutely 100%. Whereas if they don't, you know, they kind of fall into the pile with everybody else. So that's the first thing is like do something on the short term to, to send out. And then the second thing to send out is like more a longer term tactic, but it's essentially where you're building an asset, right? You're trying to build something that you'll be able to include in future applications or that you can send to people that's going to help you send out. So this is something that's going to show off your like your skills and your interests. Um, a good example about this might be, it could either be building like a social profile or it could be building like a blog where you write about the topic of what you're interested in and the type of job that you're going to want to do. In design, you know, this is a portfolio essentially, or people will do you know, design challenges, like daily design challenges where they take something and every day they, you know, design something new and they post that online. And so re really this is about kind of building an asset that you're going to be able to use to put in front of somebody. And when you're applying, you say, hey, I'm applying for this job as, um, I don't know, a, a content writer. Um, here's all the content that I've written, like go check out my blog. Here's all my thoughts about it. And that will help you send out. And again, it helps you build credibility. Uh, when I started this you know, podcast, I wasn't really thinking about this as being an asset, but it has very much been a huge asset for me. And there's opportunities that I've gotten um, kind of indirectly through it because people have listened to it and reached out to me and wanted to talk to me about certain topics or certain jobs um, that I might be interested in. And so that's kind of the second thing you can do to stand out, but a bit more in the longer term. It's not going to help you, you know, if you're trying to apply to a job just today. So that's kind of the first category of things that you can do to stand out, some short term, some longer term. The second thing that you're going to do to help you get an interview um, and get past that application phase is really about kind of going through your network, right? So people talk about networking a lot, but essentially what you're trying to do is build a personal connection with somebody at the company that you're applying for. It's going to help you get through to the interview stage. So my main tips here is really to just be genuine and reach out to these people and you can do two things. So one is like you can offer, you know, try and give them value. So you could rather than just kind of reaching out to them like, hey, can you help me get an interview for this job? Try and give them some sort of value upfront. And um, so whether that's been like, hey, I spotted such and such on your site, like I spotted an error, like it might be something that, you know, you guys could could fix or I spotted this opportunity for you or actually you know I know you're trying to sell into this company I've got a contact there do you want me to introduce them to you something that just gives them a bit of value rather than you going in straight away and asking for something but if not you know there's no harm in also just going straight up and be like hey I'm applying for this job I was really interested in it uh, you know being super genuine about why you're passionate about it why you want to have that job and asking them you know for a referral or if they're like a hiring manager or um, the person who's actually recruiting for the role saying, hey, like I would really love to have a chat about this role. The last thing you can do in these situations where you're just trying to build a personal connection and get somebody to help you out with the actual interview process is to essentially do like a, an, a I would say like a career interview with them. So, you know, reach out to them and say, hey, let's say they are a, you know, sales manager, right? And you're applying for a sales role at that company. You could reach out to them and be like, hey, I'm really interested in sales. I'm really interested in software sales, which is, you know, what you guys do. But 
I want to know a little bit more about what life is actually like as a sales manager to figure out if it's for me, if it's something that I really want to do down the line, right? Would you mind if I just had a chat with you sometime and tried to learn a bit more about what that life looks like for you? And then you can jump on, you know, if they say yes, you can jump on a call and just like ask them all about their life. Uh, be genuine about it, be interested in about it. People are usually very happy to talk about themselves. But essentially what you're doing is like, you know, you're building an actual relationship with this person. You're not just going in straight away with a very transactional request, which is like, hey, can you refer me to this role? And um, so this is a really good way for you to kind of like build that relationship, build that network, um, and then hopefully use it to to get an interview. So, you know, the types of people that you can reach out to, reach out directly to the hiring manager, reach out to, you know, even leadership. Sometimes people really appreciate that. If it's a smaller company, go directly to like the CEO or the founder, or whatever else. Send them a message, be genuine, or else you can reach out to people who would be like your peers on that team and, and ask them for a referral. A lot of times companies have referral bonuses. And um, if somebody refers somebody and that person ends up getting hired, they actually get cash for it. So it's very much in their interest a lot of the time. So that's something you can do. How you can do this, just go on LinkedIn, try and find the specific com you know, company, the team that you're applying for, and then like weed around and find the hiring manager, the different people who be on the team, and then just send them a DM. It, it really does help you send out. So that's kind of my slightly long-winded response, but essentially it's really tough if you're only just sending in applications through a website. So you wanna be able to stand out either by kind of doing the work, sending them something that's going to help you um, stand out from the rest of the crowd or else like networking your way into the opportunity by talking to people, asking for a referral, asking for an interview. Okay, next question I have is from somebody who says, I've just been let go from my job. What should I do? Okay, so this is tough. Um, it's obviously a really shitty position if you've been let go. Um, but a lot of people have been in this position over the past, you know, 12, 18 months, including myself, right? So I've been there and I know what it's like and I know it can be super tough. So the first thing I would say is like, give yourself a break, right? It's really easy um, to beat yourself up if you've been let go. But the vast majority of people who are let go these days is not because of performance. It's because the business has to make some cuts and they're probably letting a lot of people go. And so it's got nothing to do with you your personality, your capabilities. So, you know, quit yourself some slack. Don't beat yourself up over it. That's the first thing and it's the most important thing. Now, the second thing I would say is that you want to actually get practical with your finances first. So it's obviously very dependent on who you are and what kind of stage of life you're at. But essentially, you want to make sure that you're not under too much financial pressure so that you have time to figure out your next steps and not just have to jump straight into a job because you have to to be able to have money to pay the rent. So what I would say is look at how much savings you have if you have any look at how much money you're owed from your company. So oftentimes you'll get kind of um, redundancy pay or a severance package and then look at your living expenses and you'll be able to figure out then kind of how many weeks or months of runway that you have. And so ideally I think you want to try and get to like three months of runway. Now I know that might seem unrealistic for a lot of people uh, and I totally get that but if you can get to that point what it does is it gives you time to go through the job searching process and hopefully land on a job that you actually want to do and not just one that you have to do because you can you have to pay the rent so you know very practically when you look at that equation if you don't have three months of expenses 
I would, or three months of kind of living expenses saved up, I would, one, just look if there's anything you can do to reduce your expenses a little bit. You may have gotten used to a certain lifestyle, you know, in your job. Letting go of that is hard, but, you know, could you put some of that lifestyle on pause just for a couple of months or two um, so that, you know, you're not under that pressure and you have a bit of breathing space? The second one is, you know, could you pick up like some casual or contract work? This could be, you know, related to your field and what you do or not but just having some sort of income that can extend that runway for you a little bit as you search for your next job. And then I think the third thing that you wanna do is actually take this as an opportunity to see what you wanna do next. So it's very easy to kind of be let go and say, you know, I need a job straight away. I wanna get straight back into it and just kind of start searching for jobs. And they would often be very similar to what you did before. But, you know, this isn't actually an opportunity for you to take a step back and say, is this really what I wanna do? Um, And maybe it is. Or maybe you might ask that question and figure out, do you know what? Actually, I want to do something different. I want to see, can I switch it up a bit? And this could be a really good chance for you to do that. So I would start asking yourself like some of those questions, do a bit of exploration. Um, obviously, something like the Divergence Program is um, really helpful uh, for that type of thing if you're trying to figure out what you want to do next. Um, but that's what I would do. And then, you know, once you've kind of got to that point, obviously it's time to then get into the actual job search mode, right? Um, But I would really try and at least take a little bit of breathing space to ask yourself the question, what it is you want to do next, rather than jumping like straight back into that job search mode. Okay, question number three is, how do I know if I'd enjoy working with the people at a company who's made me an offer before I join? I think this is a cool question because it's one that I think people don't think about enough. A lot of the time, the people that you're working with is almost the biggest determinant of whether you actually enjoy a job. Some of the best jobs I've had um, has been like working in a bar, but doing it with my best mate. So it's kind of shitty work (laughs) working until like, you know, three or four o'clock in the morning and cleaning up after people in a nightclub. But when you're with your best mates, it's a lot of fun <laughs> so I think it's actually really really important to make sure that you get on uh, with the people that you work with and um, you don't necessarily have to be best mates with them but you do kind of need to have like a core um, you know common denominator of like shared values and, and and you need not to hate them right there's nothing worse than working with people you hate that just that yeah that's awful so um how do you actually do that before you join so i think the number one thing you want to do is try and spend as much time with them as possible so when you're going through an interview process people can put on a facade for 30 minutes or 60 minutes over a zoom call and you don't really get to know what they're about so what i would do is as you're going through the interview process or if you're made an offer say hey you know can i come hang out um with the team right can they hang out with you if you're talking to the hiring manager or you know who the person who would be your boss and then just try and spend time with them like outside of an interview format where essentially you're just chilling with them and you make it as normal as possible so you know go to lunch with them ask can you come into the office and just hang out with them have a few have a coffee with different people um and you know don't just hang out with the people that you've talked to through your interview process try and hang out with the other people on your team because they're the people that you're going to be spending a lot of time with and really you just want to maximize the amount of time you can spend with them if you can spend like you know two or three hours with somebody like they can't really keep up a facade for that long and so you're going to get to know the real them and you'll have a good understanding of whether you get on with them 
The second thing I would do is I would look for like value alignment with people. So, you know, it's easy to, for people to make a, a good first impression and, you know, they can be, they can be funny or they can be, you know, nice, or whatever else it is. But what you really want to understand is like, do you kind of share some core values with these people? Because that's ultimately what's going to determine whether you get on with them over the long term. So if you think, do you know what, they're, they're really funny and like they seem to be nice but they're also um you know they're, they're super focused on like progressing uh through their job and so they, they play a lot of office politics and they're the type of people who you think would you know put their own progression ahead of other people on their team and that, that that's how they're going to behave then you need to say okay well is that something that i'm aligned with from a values perspective or actually is that not the case um, and so your values are going to be personal to you, but you want to make sure that you kind of have that core alignment with them. And then the third thing I would say from experience is to be really careful of biases, because what can happen is when you talk to somebody, especially if you only spend a short amount of time with them, you can have certain biases where maybe you share, I don't know, an interest with them. And that can make you like them perhaps more than you should. And so what I mean here is uh, if you catch up with somebody and you find that, you know, oh, you've, you both love like a certain sport or whatever else it is, and you can end up talking to that person about that thing for like half an hour and um, you can leave that and like, geez, that person is great. But actually, you don't know much about whether you actually like who that person is and whether you would get on with them. Now, maybe you would because you have the shared interests and that can be great. But I would just be careful about these like biases and make sure that you think you would get on with this person because you kind of have um, a shared set of values and think you like who this person is like at their core and not just because, you know, they like the same sports team as you. Okay, two more questions. So this one is, I've actually been asked this a lot because I'm living in Australia and a lot of people I know are from Ireland or from Europe and are moving over here. And so I often get asked, you know, I'm moving into a new country and I want to find a job there. What should I do? And so I've written out this post actually on LinkedIn a few months ago and I've pulled it back up and these are essentially my steps for what you should do if you're trying to find a job when you're moving to a new country. So number one is explore transfers. So this is the easiest option if it's available to you. If you're already at a company, you know, in Dublin or in London and they have an office in Sydney, Melbourne, LA, wherever else it is that you're looking to move to and you still want to work at that company, see if you can get a transfer. So a top tip I would have though is to make sure that you get people from the new office to act as like a pull for you. So otherwise like your home office will just like kick the can down the road because they're not really incentivized for you to get a job somewhere else. So you want to make sure that the new office is like, yes, you know, we want Stephen um, to come and work with us and they're actually acting as like a pull function for you. Um, what I would do as well here is like try to get to a quick answer on whether it's possible or not. Don't take like, oh, maybe next year as an answer. It's like, yes or no. I've had, pe you know, I know people personally who've worked with a company and the company's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. But like they never actually do it for them and they end up just wasting um, a couple of years. So 
I would just try and get to a quick yes or no on the transfer option as quickly as possible. Uh, the next thing then I would do is like, I would, I would get targeted about the companies that you want to work for. So if you try and get a job everywhere, you'll get one nowhere. So write down the top 10 companies that you're interested in, in the city that you're going to move to. And then you want to work backwards from those. So you want to be targeting those ruthlessly, you know, using a lot of the stuff that I was talking about about before in terms of you know how to network into people how to like stand out in job applications but essentially get targeted uh the third one then is about using who you know so you know job boards online applications like they're fine but honestly they don't really work that well for like getting a job that you really want um, especially when you're moving into a new country so i'd reach out to people who you know who are already in the place there and talk to them um you know, check their LinkedIn, see if they have connections at your target list of companies that you're trying to work for. And if they do, like ask for an intro, intro and like be shameless about it. Like just be straight up and say, this is what I want. Um, can you help me out? Like I'd really appreciate it. And you'd be surprised like how many people would actually be very, very happy to help you out. Um, then the next one I would say is like to get to know more people. So you don't know as many people in this new country as you do at home. And it is people who are going to get you a job. So cold DM people, email them, say you want to learn about what they do, bring them for a coffee, ask them about themselves and, um, you know, all the stuff that I was saying earlier. And if you're genuinely interested in them and they have a job available, like they will tell you about it. Like I guarantee you that. So you can also go to meetups and, you know, don't forget about the people that you meet socially, right? So if you move somewhere new and you start like playing a sport, you're going to meet people through that sport who are going to all work somewhere um, and they have workplaces with jobs too, right? And so you want to kind of really just want to be looking to expand the number of people you know, not in this kind of like weird networky way, more just in a like get to know people, build genuine relationships with them, be a sane person and, you know, you'd be surprised the amount of opportunities that come up. Uh, the next tip that I would have on this like careers question when moving to a new country is that you might have to play hopscotch and this means that you know you might have to take a step backwards before you go forwards moving country means that unfortunately you might have to sacrifice some things in the first role that you take in that new country right like for example you might have to accept like a contract role instead of a permanent role or you might have to accept like a slightly lower salary than what you were on in your home role in this new one and that can be super annoying but if you see it as, look, I'm just taking one step back here because I really want to move to this new place. And then within six months, you'll have hopped back to where you were, if not past it, right? So you're moving to this place for a reason. Um, and if it's not entirely careers-based, then you might have to say, do you know what? I'm willing to play a little bit of hopscotch here over the next like six, 12, 18 months to make this work. Um, and then the last two things on the, I would say on this is like start early. You can start most of these things before you've landed in, landed in your new home. Um, take some of the pressure off and it means then that when you land there you're kind of already have taken a few steps and you can get going straight away and then the final thing I would say and this is many from experience is to to play the long game so if you know you want to be in that country long term make sure you're not making choices that limit your long-term options and your happiness right so if visas are a thing make sure that you're doing the right thing like talk to an immigration lawyer talk to people who are a few years ahead of you um, and make sure that, you know, you're not shooting yourself in the foot in terms of visa options, right? It's super tempting to jump on the first offer that you get, especially if it's, you know, if they are offering you a visa, but, you know, you need to be conscious of, like, what comes with that? Are you going to be locked into that role? 
Um, and if it's a job you hate, like, is it really worth it? So they were kind of my seven tips for if you're moving country and you're trying to find a new job. So the last question I have for today is, what skills do you think would be most valuable for me to develop, especially given the rise of AI and how that is taking some people's jobs? So ultimately, I don't have too much of an opinion on this, right? And it really depends on the area that you're working in. I would say, and this is a very obvious and basic answer, if it's something that can be easily automated, probably not great for you to continue to develop that skill, right? And so, for example, you know, customer service stuff is one of the areas that is relatively easy to automate and can be replaced by AI. And so if you're developing your skills as a, you know, customer service rep, I would be very conscious of what that is, um, how, how AI might affect that, right? But I'm absolutely in no way an expert. And I think there's a lot of people who try and predict like what skills are going to be helpful. And, you know, they're not always very good at it. So my kind of overarching piece of advice here would be to develop the ability to like learn and adapt and to use new technologies so for example if you are a content marketer right you over the last kind of 10 years probably like developed the skills to perhaps make really really good blog posts and to write really well but now there's a lot of pieces of ai software and ai tools that are going to be able to write really really good content as good as you or almost as good as you and they'll be able to produce a lot lot more of it so what does it mean so if you're a content marketer who's not able to use these tools like you might be fucked right i don't know but i can't imagine i, I do know a few people who work in this space and like there are concerns about like what the future of this looks like for content marketers but if you're the type of person who's actually able to use these tools and to learn and to adapt and say do you know what like even if these tools are able to do it somebody at my company still needs to run these tools now you can actually become a super valuable asset and um, so you can be the content marketer who runs you know the chat gpts and is now able to produce 10 times as much content for the same company and now your comp the company thinks that you're incredibly valuable right so um i'm absolutely no expert in terms of like how to think about you know long-term skill development and it's super like dependent on your uh, the job that you want to work in but I think like always having the ability to like learn new things learn new tools to adapt it and to have that mindset as well so you don't want to be the person who comes along and says oh no like the you know the new software the new tool is never going to be able to do it as good as humans can it's like well it might be able to and if you're open to that idea and if you're able to learning that tool then you're in a much better position than if you just kind of stick your head in the sand and pretend it's not happening Okay, that is all for this week and episode 38 of the Two Roads podcast. If you want to check out the Divergence program, enrollment's open. The link is in the show notes. But other than that, I will see you back here next week for episode 39 of the Two Roads podcast. <laughs>